0: McShane Bible Study Day 228 and 229, and we are doing 1 Samuel 7 through 9, and we see Samuel is, you know, this set up part as judge for Israel, right? This is basically the end of the period of the Judges. We just finished the book of the Judges, and then we're in the book of Samuel. He's a transition between the time of the Judges and the time of the Kings, right, which is you know, what happens in these chapters. Um, and right, uh, 1 Samuel 7, 3 stands out to me. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreth from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So this is if you want to live your life in the blessing of Lord, Turn away from your old ways, the ways of the world, right? And let's see, in the next chapter, so Israel starts demanding a king. And verse 7 says, And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. They wanted to be like the people of the world, right? Right? All the other people have a king. Why can't we have a king? God says, I want to be your king. Mm-hmm. I want you to be my people. You're not going to be like the other people in this world. You're going to be my people, which is better than being any of these other people. But they couldn't grab hold of that, so they demanded a king. And uh, so, you know, God tells Samuel what that's going to look like. and says, warn them. This is what they're going to get when they get a king. And uh, verse 20 says, That we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. So again, that's several key things in that verse. They want to be like the people around them. That's the heart of most uh, Christians today. That's the heart of the the world. That's the struggle in the world. The world pulls us. I want to be like everyone else. I want to have Jesus, but still go my own way and be like the other people. And God says, no, I want you to learn my ways. My ways are better than your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. So I need a, I need people, I need sons willing to learn my ways and go against the ways of the world. You see that? And that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. So they want a king, they want a man to protect them and take care of them and be responsible over them rather than having God. You see that? They're choosing to not mm-hmm. follow God. Again, this is common in in the peop- people everywhere, right? And, you know, this is the people when they refuse to go up the mountain with Moses. You go for us, right? This mm-hmm. is still people today. We, you know, Protestants will say oh um catholics you're so wrong you think it's all about the priest and and um and then you're just like this second class citizen and that's all true but then they do the exact same thing right they just go sit in a pew with however many 30 100 1000 thousand, ten thousand other people and they listen to somebody preach and then they go about their own life right Rather than saying, I'm going to take a proactive life with the Lord. I'm going to live my life with and for the Lord. And so that's what God says. I want a people that are going to be my people. And so they choose Saul as king. Saul doesn't understand it. He's from So he is the man that all the people, and we're going to see this in the next chapter, all the people would think, yeah, he should be our king. He's from a wealthy family. He's uh, taller than anyone. He's very handsome. He, he's just an impressive guy. Right? We'll see later. David is not those things. Um, but he's, Saul is exactly what people in the flesh think. Well, yeah, that's the guy that should be our king. And that's the guy that is first selected. And now we're in Romans 6 and 7. And... So this is really the heart of the new life. Eight is the, kind of the best chapter because he really lays it out. But, but six and seven, he's, he's setting the stage for the two different lives that we can live, blessing or curse. And what those look like in our real lives. starts out, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, because we're saved by the blood of Jesus, should we just go on sinning and living the old way? Remember, sinning is missing the mark, right? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? He says, no, we can't. We have to live in this new life, not the old life. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? He said, Jesus died and entered into a new life and made a way for us to enter into this new life, right? And so he said, we have died to the old life, to the old rules, to the old ways. Mm -hmm. The life that's all around us and the people all around us and even our old life doesn't apply to us anymore. We are dead to that or we need to die to that Mm -hmm. and be alive to this new life, right? 9 says we know that christ being raised from the dead will never die again death no longer has dominion over him so the law of death is no longer has any hold on christ if we are in christ it no longer holds any hold on us right 11 so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to god in christ jesus let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions so he said, consider yourself. That means your way of thinking, your way of being. Live in a way that you know you're dead to the old life and your life that you now live is in and through because of Christ, mm-hmm. right? It's important. It's not just a theology. This is a wonderful theological book, but he's not trying to create theology. He's trying to teach you how to live so you can enter into the reality of these things, right? Mm -hmm. He said, therefore, don't let sin enter your body. Don't don't present yourself to, to acts of sin. Set yourself apart as holy. And then 16 says, do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So again, blessing or curse, right? God mm-hmm. sets it up from the beginning. He says you can choose blessing or you can choose curse. Uh, Paul states it another way. You can be a slave to sin and death or a slave to God. Which one do you choose? you got to be one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. 17 but thanks be to God that you have you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are committed so he says look you haven't come into the fullness of all these things but you've declared yourself by word and by action by your heart and your mind to be obedient to this way of teaching so that you can and will enter into this reality Okay. again, not a religion, a way, a a new way of living. Mm -hmm. Eighteen, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. So he says, look, these things are hard to put into words. So I'm giving you words because that's how we communicate. But these are spiritual realities that go beyond words. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Present your body, present your life, present your mind, present your heart to God in <clears> his ways, so that he can lead you into all righteousness. And then you're above sin, Right? Mm-hmm. Sin's constantly pulling, which he's going to get into the next chapter. Sin's constantly pulling at you. But if you're committed to this way, it has no hold over you. 22, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification, and it's an eternal life. He says, once you've set yourself on this course, God will continually be sanctifying you, turning you into a saint, mm-hmm. transforming you from the old life into the new life. That's the fruit of living this life. 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm-hmm. Right? Seven, or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. So he gives the story about if a woman dies, sorry, if a woman's married to a man and she just goes off and just decides to marry another man, she's an adulterer, right? This mm-hmm. is a great evil. But if her husband dies, she's free to marry someone else because the law the law of that marriage sanctity no longer applies because he's dead, right? He says, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. He says, you were married. It wasn't your choice. It was Adam's choice. But you were married to sin and death because of the family you were born into. He says, but now you've died to that life, and you've died to that law that reigns over that life. So you're no longer beholden to that, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. We've declared ourselves married to another, right? Mm -hmm. We have a new law Mm -hmm. that reigns, the law of the Spirit. 6. But now we are released from the law, having died Dang. to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. And then, verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Because we might say, okay, well, I declare from this day forward, I will never do any act which can be considered sin, right? But Paul says, but man, I'm not there yet. I still sometimes do things I I don't want to do. I think back, man, I shouldn't have done that. Right? Mm -hmm. He says, but I no longer think of that as me. Because I live according to this new way. And every time I get the chance, I choose to live according to this new way in righteousness. And therefore, when I did that, that was not me. That was sin. And I do not equate myself with that sin because I am dead to sin. Mm -hmm. I equate myself with the Lord who has overcome sin. And so that that war rages on, right? Mm -hmm. I am not above the war, but I am victorious through Christ, right? Mm -hmm. So this war still goes on. Let's see, 23. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. So he says, I have not completely overcome all this in the flesh, but I'm giving the Lord my mind, my heart, my soul, my spirit, and seeking overcoming in him that I'm completely his. And I do not equate myself with any way in which I might still fall short. It doesn't mean I go on doing it as he's made very clear in these last few chapters in any chance I get, I cut off the old ways, but if I still see them going on, I know that is sin that is evil still attacking me. And I, that is not me. And I am overcoming that thing. Lord help me. Right. And we end in uh, Jeremiah 44 to 47. And uh, verse 2 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, You have seen all the disasters that I have brought upon Jerusalem and upon all the city of Judah. Behold, this day they are a desolation, and no one dwells in them, because of the evil that they committed, provoking me to anger, and that they went to make offerings and serve other gods that they knew not, neither they nor you nor your fathers. Yet I persistently sent to you all my servants, the prophets, saying, Oh, Do not do this abomination that I hate, but they did not listen or incline their ear to turn from their evil and make no offerings to other gods. Therefore, my wrath and my anger were poured out and kindled in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, and they became a waste and a desolation as at this day. So he's saying, look, I told you how to work. You chose curse over blessing. You chose to go your own way. You chose to live the way the world lives instead of the way I'm trying to teach you to live as my people. And I warned you, and I warned you, and I warned you. But you didn't listen. And so mm-hmm. you just thought the people warning you were silly. Mm-hmm. But I was serious. And they said, no, we're we're not going to do it your way. We're going to keep pouring out this queen of heaven, this Asheroth, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, we're going to keep uh, making vows to her because... When we used to do that, we were fine. And then when we got scared about Nebuchadnezzar, we stopped doing it. And then he conquered us. So they they couldn't see, they, they didn't want to see God's way in this. You know, they wanted to see their own way. And they said, we're just going to keep going our own way. And then chapter 45, he has a message to his uh, assistant, Baruch, verse 5. And do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not, for behold, I am bringing disaster upon all flesh declares the lord but i will give you your life as a prize of war in all places to which you may go he says baruch you're you're worrying about going through difficult times hey get over it i'm giving you your life focus on that 46 uh he just gives a you know a a strong word against egypt that's going to crumble and then it appears to actually be conquered through this it's a little confusing The last verse says, fear not, O Jacob, my servant, declares the Lord, for I am with you. I will make a full end of all the nations to which I have driven you. But of you, I will not make a full end. I will discipline you in just measure, and I will by no means leave you unpunished. So he says, look, I have a plan for you. I have a plan in mankind, and you are a part of my plan. And so I will use you, and I will discipline all. This world around you must crumble. I will judge it. But you, when you act like the world, must be judged too. And I will do this to discipline you so that I bring you out, so that I can bring you into this blessed life that I have always imagined for you and planned for you. And so if you're fighting me, you know, you either get kicked out or he's saying, I will preserve a remnant who wants to go my way, wants to learn my way. And then I will discipline you to train you up into my way. And you'll enter blessing, right? And we'll have to catch up on Luke uh, next time because we don't have any more time. So God bless you. God bless you.